This episode is brought to you by KPMG Risk Services. KPMG believes that when you've earned the trust of all your stakeholders, that's when your business has a solid platform to grow. That's the trusted imperative. KPMG Risk Services develop and put in place dynamic risk strategies designed to help your business earn that all-important trust. Go to read.kpmg.us slash trust to learn more. Hey, this is Randy Gage, and you're listening to the Power Prosperity Podcast. Here we go. All right, let's begin here. It is not politically correct to say this. Uh, I'll probably get, no, let me not affirm that. Maybe today is the day I'll be canceled, but (laughs) I won't affirm that. Uh, Here's what I say isn't politically correct to say. Poor people think differently than wealthy people. Sick people think differently than healthy people. And depressed people think differently than happy people. And I will posit in this little lesson we're going to share together today that the process involving reversing that trajectory, it's not really a trajectory, reversing that dynamic, meaning moving from a depressed person to a happy person, a sick person to a healthy person, a poor person to a wealthy person, will require a change in your thinking process. Uh, I kind of debated how to title this lesson, how to think like the rich, um, toying with the idea of money mind. Uh, Of course, we're really dealing with prosperity, consciousness, all of those things. So let's jump into it. Good morning from Miami. I'm back. Uh, Good afternoon. Good evening. If you're somewhere else in the world, Uh, welcome to the Prosperity Unchurch. This is a celebration service I do every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Miami slash New York time. Uh, it's a thought experiment I'm conducting to see, is the world ready for something like this? It's not a church. It's not a religion. Uh, it is just a thought experiment to see, can we create a community of prosperity conscious people who will study the principles of prosperity, generosity, and free enterprise? And it's for that reason I didn't do it as a church or a nonprofit. I want to model the behavior. I want to model the principles that we talk about each week. And I really believe in the power of the free market, the power of ideas, the power of free enterprise. So I put it out to you guys. I do this on a love offering basis. Meaning instead of charging $37 a session, I just say, donate whatever you would like to support the work. And then I leave it totally up to you guys. Uh, and I have people who tithe it, uh, tithe to me because this is the sp- source of their spiritual nourishment. I have people who send $37 every week. And I have people who send $1 or $2 or $5. And I celebrate all of that. And that's, you know, that's your dues. I run it like a 12-step program. I feel like this group needs to support itself. So I'm more than delighted when somebody gives a dollar a week or two dollars a week. If that's really what they can afford to do, I appreciate that. All right. And I appreciate the, the community of volunteers. Paula Zaragoza, the world famous author of the book, How to Be a Bulletproof Woman. She's kind of our moderator every week. I got Jose Lopez and Jorge Melendez. They're on here helping serve the community every week. And then they do a Spanish interpretation of the lesson. Uh, Guys, would one of you write that in the chat, please? The, the times are a couple hours after the English version, and they're always one week behind on the topic. So whatever we're, I'm talking about this Saturday, yeah, Saturday, they're going to be talking about next Saturday. 
So just say, hey, hello, check in, let me know. we got a gorgeous crowd in the house. By the way, I should say, I want to recognize Esther Kerali, Stefan Joseph Hock, uh, Robert Pache, Denise Dennis. They've already uh, donated for this week. They're that there are people that do this every Saturday, right bef- before I even go on, half an hour before we start, I see people who are already getting in their love offering. So I want to thank those people. Uh, but I see we got Rena Romano in the house. Jedi Bob Berg is here. Always great to see him. All the Peter Harrell up in Canada, who's always promoting this on social media. Agnes, who's always promoting it on social media. That's the other part I ask is that you... Uh, share the show and tell your friends about it. Because if it grows and you tell people, I'm going to continue doing it. And if it doesn't, then I'm going to concentrate on the other projects that I do. Saurav in India, good to see you in the house. Okay, so let's uh, jump into this. Um, Great crowd here. So thank you all for being here. I think to begin, let's, uh, let's talk about the qualitative differences in either thought processes or beliefs. So we're kind of concentrating on money today. But of course, the the lessons each week are about the bigger picture of prosperity, the principles of prosperity. So this everything we talk about holds true for relationships, love, um, mental harmony, uh, all of the, the the aspects of prosperity, right? So, and health and wellness, of course. So I'm saying the difference between the broke and the wealthy and the sick and the healthy and the depressed and the happy is there's qualitative differences either in their thought process or in the core foundational beliefs that they have. That makes sense. Somebody give me a yo or what's up. Give me thumbs up on the screen. Let me know you're all out there. Okay, good. Um, So let's begin with those. I think there's five basic ones that I would like to start with that I think are really important. And I think they're, let me adjust my mic a little to make sure you're getting good sound. Um, I think this is where most people are falling down and why they're not manifesting the level of prosperity that they would like. So the first is, and a couple of these we talk about frequently because we need to, because they're core foundational premises to all of the things we discuss. And this first one is an example of that. The difference in the belief system is that most broke people view money as a finite resource and most wealthy people view money as an infinite resource. This is night and day. This is such a gulf, such a wide delta in beliefs. And I think it's why it's a fundamental one. Because remember, all of the true forms of prosperity are infinite. The more love you circulate, the more love you give back, you receive back. The more hugs you give out, the more you receive back. The more empathy, understanding, caring that you share with the world, the more you give, you will receive back. The more you support charities and noble causes and, and, and brilliant work, the more benefits you will receive back into your life. Um, and it's really important to understand this, that money is just a medium for exchange. And that doesn't matter if we're talking about the U.S. dollar, the euro, Bitcoin, uh, Ethereum, any form of currency is just a medium for exchange. Um, So we've got to stop thinking of it in terms of a finite or limited capacity, because as we've talked about many, many times in these lessons, you can always manifest more prosperity by solving problems, adding value, and um, envisioning new possibilities. And usually those possibilities fall into one of those two categories of solving problems, adding value, or both. 
there's no limit to that. The more great, one of the things that sometimes people, when I say this following statement, you're either going to chafe at it and you're going to say that son of a bitch is, he doesn't understand me. He's one of those rich people who forgot where he came from. Or you're going to say, oh my God, that's the most liberating thing I've ever heard in my life. And here's the statement. Nobody suffers from a money shortage. They only suffer from an idea shortage. Because of course, with the right idea, you can always manifest more money. So whether that's deciding, uh, you know, I was just uh, in South Dakota the other day and uh, saw a good old fashioned neighborhood lemonade stand with three girls out there on the road. And this was big business. They had like two big tables and all kind of flavors of iced tea and people were coming over and, you know, buying iced tea and, you know, here's 20 bucks, keep the change, right? That's just an idea they had. Hey, it's a hot. And it was, it was like 90 plus degrees, pretty humid. You know, you're driving by and say, lemonade, what a great idea right now, right? So whether it's that, starting a dog walking service, thinking about Uber or Amazon.com, we create wealth in direct proportion to the ideas that we generate, ideas that solve problems or add value. So we should never think, if you are not wealthy yet and you would like to become wealthy, please stop thinking of money or any other form of prosperity as a finite resource and understand it's an infinite resource. And even in a scenario like Bitcoin, I'm trying to remember what did Satoshi said, I think it's 21 million Bitcoins, if I'm not mistaken, is gonna be the total amount mined. Um, that's still not a finite resource because the more, sol it, it, let's assume that Bitcoin became the reserve currency and everybody in the world was using Bitcoin, which I'm not saying is gonna happen, but if it did, um, you still could manifest, you could attract more Bitcoin simply based on the amount of value and the number of problems which you would solve for the world. Um, so money is infinite. The next uh, number two thing I wanna talk about is this belief among many, many people that rich people think about money all of the time. <laughs> Rich people think about money all of the time. Now, why did I single that one out? And I feel like this is worthy of being a discussion point for our, our lesson today. Because it's what's the underlying belief that causes someone to make that statement. Because their belief isn't really rich people think about money all the time. They're, the real belief that they're articulating in a very disingenuous way, unbeknownst to most of them, is that their belief is rich people are evil. Rich people are always thinking of ways to lie and cheat and steal and embezzle and uh, scrimp and get money away from noble, honorable, poor people. They devote their life, their money-grubbing souls, and that's why they have more money and I don't have money because I'm not a greedy, money-grubbing person. Now, I have been very, very poor in my life. I have been very, very wealthy in my life. I have been um, very much a money-grubbing mindset at one stage of my career. And I'm now at a mindset where I'm not chasing dollars or money in any way. I feel like, okay, if I'm doing the work that I'm supposed to be doing, I have, I've been smart with money. I've developed financial literacy. I live a dream existence and I have got the money thing out of the way in, 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 you know, most senses as we would think about it. Uh, and I look more for the contribution and significance that I can do with greater wealth, right? So I've been on all those areas of the spectrum, 
And I only point that out because I want you to know that when I was broke, that's when I thought about money all of the time. And having worked teaching the principles of prosperity for a quarter of a century, at least now, uh, I can tell you that's my experience of the people I work with. Broke people think about money all of the time. It's because it's, it, for many of them, they feel it's a necessity. It's such a survival necessity that they, because they are going to get the power cut off if they don't find 120 euros to pay the electricity bill because they won't be able to buy the groceries they need for their family if they don't find a way to generate more money. So these are survival mechanisms and it forces them to think about it. Or when, you know, I think of, I used to have to wait in line at the, the power station. They had a pay station at a department store at a mall. And I, you, the line would be like 200 people every afternoon wait, who had to wait in line and make the payment and get a code number and then call in the code number so they didn't cut off your power, right? So you spend two hours in one of those lines. All you're thinking about for those two hours is money, right? You got a three-day eviction notice, and I got many of those in my day. You spend the next three days thinking about nothing but money, right? So that's a belief that doesn't serve you. Because, of course, once I became wealthy, I didn't think about it consciously, but just reflecting back on it when I, when I first started to write my five-book series on prosperity, it, it dawned on me that, wow, I almost never think about money anymore. I just don't. I almost never think about money. Why? Because I didn't need to. I didn't have to, to get through the day or get through the week. Now, I still will think about money. I'll say, well, should I be doing something different with my investment? I could be in a, a shopping mall and see a beautiful Hublot watch that sells for $400,000 and say, wow, I mean, what would it, you know, what would I have to do if I want to buy a watch like that? Um, is that a, is, would that be a prudent expenditure for me? Is that... Uh, uh, something I want to do, right? I'll still think about money, but it's on this fleeting occasional basis. And that's a big difference. Third one I want to point out is the belief that money corrupts people. Now, in one sense, this is true in the sense that money provides freedom and so we can also extend that logic and say that money also provides power, right? There is a, a power to be had with money. There are things you can do uh, with money that you can't do. So I'm humiliated to tell you this, but I got in a fender bender the other day. Uh, I was going to meet uh, my friend for lunch and um, he's at this hotel and a place and it said it was on Brickell Avenue, but it wasn't Brickell Avenue. It was actually Calle Ocho and they call that little part of the street Brickell Plaza and I didn't know that. And so my navigation system was telling me that I was there and I'm like, how can I be there? I'm on Calle Ocho. That there's something, so I'm looking at where is this alleged hotel that is supposed to be right here? And there was a lady in front of me and her daughter who were looking for a restaurant and they couldn't find their restaurant. So she stopped in the middle of the road, right? <laughs> so I'm looking at the time she stopped. So we had a little fender bender. Um, you know, fortunately, nobody's heard. It was just, you know, minor damage, but it was enough that it pierced the radiator on my Range Rover. So the car wasn't going to be drivable. So after we exchange all the details and insurance, I pulled into this the shopping mall parking lot, and called the, uh, you know, my car, car club to get the car towed to the dealership. And um, they said it was like 50 minutes to 90 minutes. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to have lunch with my friends anyway. And I connected with him and we were eating. 
And then it's two hours go by and the tow truck isn't there. And I call and they say, oh, there's been a delay. It's going to be another 90 minutes. And meanwhile, I had a event that night. I had clients in here from Mexico, U.S., Dominican, some other places. And it was a uh, leadership strategy session that I was conducting for a company that works here in America and LATAM. And uh, I didn't have two hours more. So I, but what do I have? I have some degree of freedom with money. And so could call up my assistant and say, listen, whatever you need to do, I need you to handle this, connect with the tow truck, whatever. If you have to spend $100 on an Uber to go down here and bring them the key and meet them, whatever. But I got to get out of here because I have to go home, clean up, finish my preparation, and then get back to the same area to go do my event uh, that night. That was uh, Thursday night, I think. Wednesday night, Thursday night. Money gives you freedom like that. There are things you can, you can, you know, I don't have to wait in line uh, 10 hours to get tickets for the Motley Crew uh, uh, reunion with Def Leppard and whatever else. I can go on the website and get the $2,000 VIP package, right, that I did, right? You get freedom like that. Well, with freedom, there is a degree of power in that. And we know power corrupts and absolute power absolutely corrupts or corrupts absolutely, uh, whatever the cliche is with that. Um, But understand that money isn't corrupting you. The power that you get from money isn't corrupting you. That is revealing the corruption in your personality that's already there, right? If, If you would take having more money as the opportunity to uh, employ and exploit people in a third world country to make more money, that's not the money that's corrupting you. That's the, the corruption in your personal makeup that you don't have, you haven't worked on and developed the character and the money that, that when you get money that just reflects the deficit in your character, right? So money in and of itself does not corrupt people. So if you have a belief that it does, you're always going to repel money and you're always going to self-sabotage yourself when you start to accumulate larger sums of money. Does this make sense? Again, give me a yo, what's up, type in the comments. Same thing on the replays, by the way. Please, you guys, we repost this every Monday, Power Prosperity Podcast, and on the YouTube channel, Prosperity TV. If you're watching the replay, please check in there as well. Uh, Number four thing I want to talk about is leverage versus non-leverage. This is one of those differences in the thought process that I talked about earlier. Yes, it's a belief, but it's more a, a thinking process. So, and here's how I would distill it at its ultimate, ultimate, ultimate level is that Um, you work for money or money works for you. You know, do you take a shower before work or do you take a shower after work? Right? If you're working for money, you're a waitress, a cocktail waitress, a construction worker, you're taking a shower after work, right? If you are a, you manage your own investment portfolio, you're probably taking a shower before you go into work because you're not doing physical labor. You're not trading hours for pounds or euros or yen or rubles. You are putting your money to work for you. So this is a huge, again, I talked earlier about the the big gulf between these thinking processes between the way broke people think and the way wealthy people think. Broke people are usually saying, okay, how can I get more money? Wealthy people are usually thinking, how can my money work harder for me? And, you know, we've done some previous shows. So if you if you haven't um, seen them all, if you go to randygage.com and you click on 
there's a banner in the middle of the homepage and it says, watch the prosperity live streams. You should bookmark that. That's the homepage. And it has the link for this, uh, you know, for the lesson each week. And then we also archive all of the previous shows there. And I've got an entire lesson, which we were de devoted to making money with your mind. So if you want to double click on that and really get the deep dive, I would encourage you to do that. Um, let me see. Did somebody type that? Yeah. Thank you. Surav wrote in the link. Bookmark that page that's in the comments there. And for you guys listening on the podcast, it's randygage.com forward slash prosperity hyphen live stream. Uh, good page to bookmark and then you see what's going on every week and all the old shows are archived there. Um, so think about this. This is some of these things today is kind of your homework just as we're going through it, as opposed to giving you assignments. Are you thinking as we're going along with this, you know, are you working for money or do you have money working for you? And understand it's completely acceptable. It's completely normal. It's completely prosperous. If you begin by working for money, and the, the goal is to keep working for money, increasing the amount of money you get by the size of the problems you're solving or the value that you're creating, and then taking some portion of that money and investing it into your future so your money is working for you. All right, last one I wanna talk about, very related to this one, it's the belief that people who understand leverage people who understand putting their money to work, they have a thinking process, which is learn with your time, earn with your mind. It's a catchy title. It uh, almost rhymes. It kind of rhymes. Um, but there's very profound wisdom in these uh, short, whatever it is, eight words. It's a philosophy. It's a way of thinking. Learn with your time, earn with your mind. So when you can learn a skill with your time, so you learn how to look. For me, the skills that I wanted to develop were the skills of critical thinking, writing, and speaking. So you see speeches and seminars and workshops are a big part of my uh, uh, business model. Writing, you know, 14 books, thousand, more than 10,000 blog posts, many articles. So writing is a big part of my business model. Uh, and then critical thinking. That's what I'm doing with consulting. That's why all those people were coming around from all over Latin America the other night to meet with me. They were hiring me for my critical thinking ability. So I'm able to earn with my mind in all those ways. So when I write a book, I'm using my critical thinking skills to write that book. So I, I learned how to write with my time and then I earn with my mind by using that skill of writing that I learned. So those are the qualitative differences in either thought process processes or and or beliefs. So what is the, where do we need to get to here? What is the, what's the foundational premise that we need to understand? And here's what I will posit that it is. Prosperity is not money and material things. It's a state of consciousness. And continuing the thought deeper, poverty is not the absence of money and material things. It also is a state of consciousness. So I would submit that the premise we want to base everything on is um, you need to move from poverty consciousness to prosperity consciousness in order to manifest more money and wealth and other forms of prosperity in your life. 
And at some point in the process, you will reach a tipping point. And that tipping point is five zero point zero 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 one percent. Now you say exactly how many zeros? I don't know. I just made that up. The point I'm getting is the tipping point is when there's at least one one millionth of a percent more positive thoughts than negative thoughts, right? So somebody calls you up and they say, let me think of an example here. Hey, I'm opening up a restaurant. I found an amazing location. Uh, it's right in the perfect neighborhood. There's great disposable income there. There's great street traffic. There's great foot traffic, um, the ethnic menu that I'm envisioning, there's a big demand for it in that neighborhood. There isn't any of those type of restaurants there. You know, I've got all these facts. So I'm opening a restaurant there and I'm looking for investors. If you come from poverty consciousness, the first thing you're going to say is, well, 90% of all restaurants go broke. You know, who are you? What do you know about the restaurant business? You know why? How are you going to compete with Burger King and McDonald's and Red Lobster and uh, Hooligans, Hannigans, whatever that place, Applebee's, you know, they got millions of dollars. How are you going to do with the neighbor? You could come up with 150,000 reasons why the restaurant won't work. And they're all essentially have truth in them. That's what people from poverty consciousness do. Now, why do I know? I know because I did that for at least the first 30 years of my life. You say, hey, let's go to the art fest. Oh man, no, we'll never find a parking space. It's gonna be mob, you know, I don't know. Whatever you, I've got to had a default knee jerk setting to always assume the negative possibilities. That's poverty consciousness, right? Uh, then there's prosperity consciousness where you expect good things to happen. You know why you, you know, go to a restaurant, see some family eating there with the kids and the kid knocks over his drink and the mother says, I knew that was going to happen. Well, why did you know that was going to happen? Why did you expect that to happen? Why do you have such a negative poverty conscious view of the world that you expect that to happen? Why, when something good happens, do you say, I can't believe it? You know, you win some stupid door prize worth $20 of cheap cologne at a party. I can't believe it. I won. What is that telling you? That's your default setting. Do you have poverty consciousness? Do you have prosperity consciousness? So uh, if you had prosperity consciousness, you'd be listening to your friends saying, wow, yeah, so th there is a demand in that neighborhood. There's a good population base. Uh, there's parking there. It's a lot of traffic goes by. So if we have a sign, 40,000 people a week are going to see that sign. And it's in a neighborhood pedestrian mall. And there's lots of foot traffic too. So there'd be lots of impulse buying. And you, know, you would think of the possibilities for success of that restaurant. And what I'm saying is there is always a tipping point of at least a tenth of a percent more positive than negative. And once you get to at least that, even if it's a tenth or a hundredth of a percent, you've now created a self-fulfilling prophecy of prosperity. Because I can tell you, if two softball teams are competing and they have equal talent, the one that expects to win more than the other one will be the one that wins. In the case of everything else being equal. People who believe they're gonna become wealthy, people who believe they become, they're gonna become successful, they have a much bigger chance of doing that. Why? Because they have positive expectations and those positive expectations are created by core foundational beliefs and those core foundational beliefs drive their daily behavior. If you think you need to lose five extra pounds and then you're at your perfect weight, you're going to do enough exercise to get there because you know you could get there by next month. If you've got to lose 280 pounds to get to your ideal rate, you might think, I don't think I can ever get there. And you don't have a core belief that drives your activity to do that.
unless you really, really study the material that we're talking about here every week and really reshape, reconstruct your thought process. So uh, let me kind of wrap up with what I would say are the stages of prosperity consciousness that many of you will go through. Now, where did I get these from? What do I base this hypothesis on? Uh, is very simple. I'm projecting, I'm totally projecting because I'm telling you the, the stages of prosperity consciousness that I went through. Okay, so I come from a poor poverty conscious family. All right, my family is totally focused uh, on saving money, scrimping, buying every possible item at the lowest possible price, negotiating in every transaction, hunting hours spent hunting down coupons and discount offers. And they're fixated on that. And that's the environment I grew up in. So of course, that was the environment I had. And that translated to all areas of my life, health, relationships, everything. I had totally had poverty consciousness, right? And now I'm proud to say, I really believe I have an amazing prosperity consciousness. And I really view the world through a very prosperous lens. I've been able to manifest an amazing amount of prosperity in my life. And I think it's evidenced by the fact that I'm sharing these lessons with you guys every week in this experiment um, to show that that's, I just, I walk my talk. I believe the stuff that we're talking about because I experienced in my own life, it's funny, I'm writing this, my next blog, or maybe it's 1000 blogs from now, because it might take me two years to finish writing it <laughs> the way it's going, because I've written thousands of words. I'm writing about Web 3.0, the next generation of the internet and how it impacts us on a, a prosperity level, prosperity context. And I'm trying to write it all from a lay person's point of view to explain the blockchain, cryptocurrencies, uh, decentralized finance, DeFi, decentralized autonomous organization, DAOs, and uh, cryptocurrencies and NFTs, non-fungible tokens. So I'm studying all of that and have been for a long time, studying all that, really double-clicking on this to say, how does this factor into prosperity? You know, is it just gambling? Somebody bought Dogecoin for 20 cents and they sold it for $20. That's just was a gambling play, right? It's just a, you know, or a collectible play. But what's the real uh, value being added? Because to remember, for prosperity, we've got to be solving problems or adding value. So I'm I'm writing all of this from the context of, how does how do cryptocurrencies solve problems or add value? How do NFTs solve problem or add value? And if they don't, why are they worthless? And why should people not invest in them? Right. So, uh, as I, I so I, like I said, I've written thousands of words so far. So I don't know when this will be done. And ultimately, I'm sure I will do one of these Saturday lessons or a series of them on this topic. Because I know a lot of you are saying, hey, what about Dogecoin? What about Ethereum? What about Bitcoin? What about DAOs? Right? This is a fascinating new you know, growth sector right now. Decentralized finance is huge. And it's going to totally remake the internet, which will totally remake every area of our life. How we vote, how we communicate, how we buy, how we market, how we educate, how we meet people. Every area of our life is going to be impacted by this in a major, major way. I'm talking on the level of the industrial revolution and the uh, uh, agricultural revolution, uh, the renaissance, those kind of seminal seismic shifts in human history. That's how big this is going to be. Um, so here I am spending, uh, you know, writing about it, researching. And the thing I'm telling people is, and remember, 
that I don't know anything about tech. I'm not an engineer. I don't program code. I'm just looking at it from the prosperity context, from the layperson's context. I'm looking at it as a high school dropout. So I can't present it in such a complex way and use a bunch of buzzwords and, 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 and bullshit people because I don't have a college education, right? All I know is my real world experience as a high school dropout. So that's the way I am presenting this stages of prosperity consciousness. You'll see with these lessons every week, with the books that I write, with the podcasts that I do every week, I'm not claiming to be a guru. Uh, I'm not claiming to know it all. I'm just saying, hey, um, this guy came from a really broke, poverty conscious family, was poor the first 30 years of my life. And I became one of the wealthiest, I don't know, 2%, 1%, half percent of people in the world. So there was a process I went through. There were stages in that process. And so as in all my work, I just share, here's how it works for me. And hopefully there's some lessons there for you. And I, you guys know, I'm totally transparent. I tell you everything that's working and everything that isn't working, right? So I'm just being real and saying, hey, here's, here's what worked for me. Take the lessons here if it works for you. Great. If not, okay. I, I just shared it with you. So I'm going to suggest that, um, again, your mileage may vary, but this is the stages that I went through for prosperity consciousness. God, do I dare say this. <laughs> Yes, I'm going to say it. I shouldn't say it. It's only going to give people shit to attack me with, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think what I'm about to share with you might be the most important three minutes or five minutes of your life for the next 10 years because of what I'm going to share in this five stages that um, it, you know, it, it, the, the trolls on Twitter and the cancel culture people and the haters, they could, you know, ridicule this all they want and demonize it all they want and, uh, suggest it's, uh, uh, vapid or, uh, superficial, but I'm okay with that. People will receive this at whatever, level of consciousness they're operating at. But what I want you guys to know, the people who are here live in this room right now, the people who are actually listening to this on the podcast 42 minutes after we started, the people watching on YouTube now 43 minutes after we started, I think that this next five minutes could transform your life forever. If you really understand these five stages of the process and then do the critical thinking, shut off your damn phone, shut off your damn tablet, shut off the damn TV, get in a quiet place, get yourself a journal or a notepad, a cup of green tea and ponder this and then ponder it in terms of, Hey, okay. I think that really is an intriguing process. Those five stages that Gage went through and I feel like I've already done the first two and I'm on the third one. Or I feel like I've already done the first three and I'm already on number four. Or I think the third stage is not relevant to me. I can understand why it was relevant to Randy, but I just don't think it's relevant to me. I think there is a different uh, stage that I need to do and it's ABC, right? I'm not here to tell you this is the five-step process you have to go through. I'm saying, hey, this is what works for me. Please be mindful, be a critical thinker, process this, and then see how it would apply to your life. So let me just see, uh, just see in the comments. All right, I love it. I love it. Love to see you guys checking in like that. 
yes, Agnes Fitzgerald, thank you very much. Um, I just believe that. I, you know, I, I'm I'm humbled and honored that you guys. We have two to three thousand people who go through this lesson every week on the various platforms, and I'm honored and humbled by that. And I really do uh, my dead level best to just tell you my truth as I know it, and try to share what has worked for me and why, and give you. It's not, not to tell you what to think, but to say, let me give you some things to think about and you process it and see how it works in your life. All right, so here's five stages of prosperity consciousness that took Randy Gage from a, oh my God, I'm talking about myself in third person now, I'm really over the edge, um, from a high school dropout who started as a minimum wage dishwasher to become one of the most wealthy and successful people on earth. And again, I don't say that for preening or posturing. Understand if, if you make, I don't know, probably if you make $150,000 a year, you're probably in the top 2% of the world. All right. We take for granted how many billions of people are actually uh, subsisting at poverty level, below poverty level, middle class level. So um, to say that I'm in the half, the one percent, a half percent, you know, it's it's not that you don't have to be a billionaire to do that. Is what I'm saying. We we need a lot more people. We need to help a lot more people get a lot more prosperous in the world. And that's why I'm doing this work every week. And I'm asking your support and for you to share it and support it. Stage one for me was victimhood. At stage one, I hated being poor. I became a professional victim and I resented wealthy people. It's a nice way to say that. I really, the better way to say it is probably I hated rich people. I was ferociously jealous of wealthy people. And I resented it and I thought it was unfair. And that's why at 15 years old, I was robbing stores and burglarizing bowling alleys, uh, breaking into other businesses and ended up in jail because I thought it was unfair that they had so much money and I and my family didn't have that money. And I took it upon myself to try and steal it. That was the first stage for me. That's where I began at. And I would suggest that there's at least four to five billion people on earth who are at that stage right now. Stage number two is to recognize that wealth is not negative. To recognize that rich people are not inherently bad. To recognize that money is not inherently evil. That's a huge step forward to reach that stage. It's very, very difficult for many, for millions and millions of people. This is the, 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 the they never get, they never escape from stage one because to go from stage one to stage two requires releasing victimhood. And they don't recognize that there are actual uh, hidden benefits that they're receiving, emotional feedback, emotional payback that they receive from being a victim. And uh, because of that, they're not willing to let that go, right? Luis de Blanco, I see you there. We've talked about this many times on podcasts together, right? This is a big, big stage, um, willing to release victimhood and just recognize and acknowledge that wealth in and of itself is not negative. Stage three, now we're getting sexy, okay? Stage three is when you decide you are 
worthy. Paul, are you just nodding along like a Sunday morning sermon? Let's have a little church, okay? This is what it's about. This is such a huge step, right? To decide you are worthy. Accent on the you. Because some people reach that second stage of consciousness where they run, oh no, okay, actually, there are George Clooney is very, 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 very wealthy. And it seems like he does really good work with that wealth. That you can be very, 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 very wealthy and not be a mean, evil asshole who's trying to exploit people and destroy the earth and ruin the environment. And you can be sensitive to the bigger picture. And wow, look at what Bill Gates and Melinda Gates have done with their foundation. And look at the, you know, you can recognize that, wow, wealth does not have to be negative, but you still got to make the jump to the third stage of consciousness, which is putting yourself in that picture and not say, okay, so George Clooney can do that because he's such a different human being, so much better at a, a higher level than I am that he's able to do that, but that doesn't apply to me. You got to say, well, not only is being wealth not negative, but being wealthy is positive, and I am worthy of being wealthy. I am worthy of being healthy happy and prosperous. The fourth stage of consciousness is learning financial literacy. It's recognizing that with wealth comes responsibility and with wealth comes challenges. Say, hey, I don't mind. I'm, I'm, I'm up to having those challenges. I'm ready to have the, the problems of being a billionaire. Okay, great. But just recognize that th that really does require uh, learning how the system works. Because you'll say, well, but the system is prejudiced against people of color and poor people and undereducated people and people in third world countries. And you know what? That's all true. But if you want to if you want to drive your stake into that, then you say, okay, I'm, I'm staying at stage one. I want to be a victim. I want to say, well, the reason I'm not making it is because I'm a woman in Latin America and Latin Americans don't take women seriously in business. There's a, a confirmational, you know, there's a, a inherent bias against me. Well, you know what? I think that's probably true. And if you're gay, lesbian, I think there's an inherent bias against you. If you're Jewish, Muslim, I think there's places there's inherent biases against you. But again, it's going to go back. Okay, am I going to, am I going to reside at the first stage of consciousness where I can find all these excuses that justify why I'm a victim? Or am I going to go to stage four where I understand how the game is played and I'm going to beat this system at its own game. So I recognize there are people working to hold me down. And I'm going to use that against them and use it as fuel for me to succeed. Do you understand how breathtaking important this stage is? Give me a yo, something. Let me know you're out there. Okay, I can see we're getting into this. All right, good. I love you guys. I see you're really getting this. All right, the fifth stage is when you move from success to significance. Where you realize, okay, this is where it's really important. If you didn't, here's some homework for you guys who didn't see the blog on my blog. I think it's it's your it's called your last goodbye or your final goodbye. And I wrote it. Uh, remember when I was um, two weeks ago, I went back to Madison to visit my family because I have a loved one there who's dying of cancer, has chosen to forego 
any treatment and no chemo, nothing. It just says, no, I'm gonna, whatever happens, happen. I'm here until I'm not here. And um, so I'm back there and, you know, had this amazing time with her. It really was my final chance to say goodbye in person. And then I go back to my hotel and I fire up my laptop and I see all of the petty shit that people are talking about on Twitter and Facebook and the posing and the virtue signaling and the political diatribes and the fear of others and attacking of others. And I just wanted to jump through the computer and run to their house and grab them by their collar and say, do you really think this is important? You have somebody you love right now who needs you. You need them. You should be spending quality time with them. And you really think it's more important to send a snarky tweet and, you know, join in on a Twitter mob? Success to significance. Where you realize, okay, it isn't about how many cars can I get? How many watches can I collect? How much money can I keep score with? It's about what can I do so that when I'm gone, that, you know, you have to be ashamed to let yourself die until you know that the world is a better place because you were in it. That you made a difference to a peewee football team, a little league team, some teams you coached, some uh, counseling you gave someone, somebody with special needs you take care of, somebody you love who you told them you love them, elderly person that you're a caretaker for or you check in on, you realize, hey, okay, I'm, I love the freedom. I love the security. I enjoy, I know the money and material things lubricate my life, but when it's all said and done and I'm saying my final goodbye, that isn't the stuff that matters. What's mattered, what matters is not success, it's significance. That's, I believe, the fifth stage of prosperity consciousness. All right, if you want to support the work, Paula, would you put up the site, please? RandyGage.com forward slash go. And that is where uh, PayPal, Venmo, however, you know, any debit cards will take whatever. If you just, it's on the screen there, randygage.com forward slash go for you guys listening online. Um, and please support the work. And again, I, if, it's, if you can only afford a dollar a week, a euro a week, I love it. Just show me your... You support it. You believe in it. Okay. And that's, you know, will determine if I, as you see, I spend a lot of time preparing these lessons. This is a lot of work that I'm just doing on a love offering basis. So I'm trusting you guys to, if you see, if you want it to continue. All right. So next week we're, we're going to have some fun. We're going to kind of go in a different direction than we did here. Um, I'm going to talk about 15 actions that make you broke. <laughs> uh, or we could say, uh, in some cases, uh, 15 actions that keep you broke. Because it could work either way. You could actually stumble into money, but have uh, programming against it and self-sabotage yourself. And then you'll take these 15 actions to make yourself broke. Or maybe you've never been wealthy your whole life and you can't seem to get wealthy. I will submit that these 15 actions, actions are what are keeping you broke. So that's what's going to be next week. Same bat time, same bat channel, 10 a.m. Eastern. Uh, find the link on my website, the homepage, randygage.com. Uh, click on the banner, Prosperity Livestream. You'll see the, the upcoming show, the link, and then the archive of all the old shows. So thanks, everybody, for participating. I love all the comments and appreciate your participation. Appreciate the support everybody's doing. Please tell your friends. Peace. Hey, thanks for listening to the Power Prosperity Podcast. Do me a favor and practice the circulation law of prosperity and tell people about Prosperity TV. 
So if you would, just put something up on your Tumblr, your Twitter, your Facebook, your YouTube. Uh, let people know what you think of the Power of Prosperity podcast. Even take a screenshot of your phone and maybe post that picture uh, so we can build the community here at the podcast. Thanks, guys.